Welcome to the Million Dollar Listening Podcast. In this show, we aim to help people grow in all areas of life with the focus of getting to the next level. I'm your host, Mari Wines, realtor, marketing guru, real estate coach, and co-owner of E3 Realty. Welcome to the Million Dollar Listening Podcast. In this show, we aim to help people grow in all areas of life with the focus of getting to the next level. I'm your host, Mari Wines, realtor, marketing guru, real estate coach, and co-owner of E3 Realty. Trained by the Department of Homeland Security and graduate of the FBI Citizen Academy, welcome Gary Tabke. Thank you. Appreciate being here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. good. It's a little rainy, soggy this morning. I don't know what it'll be like when this airs, but this morning it's wet. I know. I barely made it here. <laughs> so you have a very impressive background, in my opinion, and probably most people's opinion. Do you want to tell me a little bit about it? No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's all top secret. Whatever you're allowed None to tell me. None of it can me. be divulged. <laughs> the files are all sealed. Uh, I'm retired Hayward police officer. That's where my law enforcement career was spent. I retired in 2002, got injured on the job. Uh, third time I got injured, uh, that was it. And then uh, did a few things before I got back into the law enforcement side, so to speak, um, opening, well, I opened my own private investigation uh, firm, but before that, I was doing work with uh, another law enforcement retiree that I had worked with, and uh, he was breaking me in, giving me the ropes. Um, shout out to, to, to Jesse for that, uh, because he really you know, taught me and showed me that I could do this on my own. And so I started doing that. Um, as you mentioned, I attended and graduated the FBI Citizen Academy. Uh, I've been trained and certified by the Department of Homeland Security in active shooter preparedness, active shooter scenarios so that I can train and teach businesses, schools, entities uh, on how to prepare for that and what to do you know, in the event of such a situation. Um, I've also done a lot of security work. Uh, so I consider myself a security professional, an expert, I've done witness protection, executive protection, and then of course, you know, realtor safety, um, which is probably what brought me here this morning. <laughs> which is how I came to know you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So with that background, what inspired you to carry your skills into realtor safety? Um, it was happenstance. I mean, it really was. Um, I'm sitting there watching a, a Dateline episode, and they did the story, and this is back in 2018, they did the story of Beverly Carter from Arkansas. And she was a real estate agent who got a call late in the afternoon from a female caller uh, to go look at a house, a vacant home. Uh, Beverly didn't know the caller. Like many in the industry do, agreed to meet the prospective client at the house. And um, the caller and her boyfriend, both drug addicts, kidnapped Beverly. They thought that... Uh, Y'all must be filthy rich selling houses, mm -hmm. big commissions. And I don't know if, where they got the idea, but they thought that if they held her for ransom, they could get money, big money. 
Unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen. They were amateurs, didn't know what they were doing. And several days later, her body was found, you know, duct taped and in a culvert on the side of a road somewhere. And it just struck me, one, that this had happened, and two, how did this happen? How did this professional get sucked in? You know, what transpired? Uh, were there no red flags, no warning? And I started to delve into it. You know, the investigator in me wanted to know more. Um, and the first thing I did was get online and start, you know, searching for realtor assaults, you know, unfortunately, realtor rapes, uh, realtor murders, anything that I could generate <clears throat> some, kind of, some kind of background on. And I started finding stuff all over the country. Uh, Ashley Auckland in um, Des Moines, I think it was Des Moines, Iowa. Her murder's 12 years old now, unsolved. She was hosting an open house at a townhouse. She got shot to death. Nobody knows by who, how, why. It's an open case. And then it was like, okay, what about our own backyard? And, you know, same search titles, but put in California. And stuff started popping up. Vallejo, um, Napa, the wine country, Elk Grove, Citrus Heights. And the Citrus Heights one uh, I found was another male-female couple. And she was making the calls, and then together they were physically assaulting the female agent. And this was up in the El Dorado Hills. Uh, they finally got caught, and the Citrus Hills police chief referred to them, at least the male part, as a realtor predator. And that just struck a chord with me. So I realized that your profession is being targeted. In my law enforcement career, 14 years, I never handled a case. And I've talked with, you know, other cops that I worked with. Did you ever have any assaults regarding an open house and a real estate agent? Nobody, nothing. So then I met with a good friend of mine, Wes Olson, WR Properties had a cup of coffee and I said, dude, <laughs> what's going on here? Why am I just, you know, we were in a networking group for years together. Um, I had been the president, he was the vice president. So we were very close and this had never come up. Him knowing full well my background, you know, this had never come up. And he goes, yeah, it's actually a thing and it's not a good thing. So I just started delving into it. Now, my background is law enforcement, security, protection, surveillance, counter surveillance all that kind of stuff. But I'd never done anything with real estate agents. So with my vast knowledge of all of that, security and how to keep people safe and protection and so forth, I had to go out and learn your business. And the only way to do that is to get entrenched. No, I didn't become a real estate agent. <laughs> but on the weekends, uh, for lack of better terms, you know, I stalked y'all. I would get in the car and just drive around Brentwood, Discovery Bay, Antioch, and I would look for open house signs, you know? Um, and there were some things that I noticed right off the bat. Like a lot of y'all put your picture on your, your open house signs or your for sale signs. You know, it's the same picture you've probably been using for 15 years, but it's, it's your picture. <laughs> that was something else I learned. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke, an industry joke we always talk yeah. about. Are you sure this is you? Let me look at your card. I'm looking at you. Um, and I just walk in like anybody else would. 
I went in with um, a brochure, a flyer that explained who I was, had my picture on it, had a picture of me in uniform so that they would know, hey, I'm not here to do you harm. I'm trying to educate myself. I'm trying to learn. And then, you know, in order to catch a criminal, you got to think like a criminal. So I started going into the open houses like a criminal would as quietly as I possibly could. No noise, opening, shutting the door, walking deliberately, slowly. It's creepy, okay? But this is what a bad guy does. And I needed to know how far into the house can I get before I'm detected? And in one case, I got upstairs. And were you always going through the front door? Always. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Didn't want to do anything other than that because that would just be too scary for whoever's in the house. I felt it's enough. I'm coming in the way that I am, you know. (laughs) But I had, you know, I've got embroidered polo shirts. They say Tabkin Associates, private investigations on them. I was, you know, the minute I would would see the agent, I'd identify myself, let them know what was going on, try to put them at ease. But the scary part about that for your profession is that for the most part, you all were hiding in the kitchen where you got your cookies and your milk or your cookies and your, your, your mm-hmm. water, you know? Um, and you don't know who's coming in. You don't see them coming up the walkway. You don't see them coming into the house. You don't get to sight them prior to they're here now right in front of me. And the other thing was uh, a lot of the time, you know, you all are on your cell phone or you're on your, your laptop, laptop trying to get that next contract written or review the one that just came in on your listing. And you're distracted. Yeah. yeah. And these are all major red flags for your safety. And I took note of all of this. So armed with this new information, it was like, how can I teach agents to be safer? You know, and I just dissected the whole thing and then put together uh, the program. I call it Realtor Safety. Um, And I've been doing it since 2018. Um, It's been widely successful. Uh, I was flown down and put up in a hotel to speak at CAR in 2019, uh, presented to like 150 president, president-elects from all over the state. It had done really well, was doing really well. I was getting to that next level with it, and then COVID. COVID, COVID put me out of business. I mean, in every aspect COVID. of my speaking engagements, my private investigation work. You know, you can't investigate the cheating spouse if they're both stuck at home on the couch. <laughs> the courts were shut down. So the attorneys that I did work for weren't working. <laughs> it was dead. Yeah. Uh, it was bad. So once everything started to break yeah. and lift, uh, I was able to, to get back into it and start promoting it again and getting uh, the dates and the engagements lined up. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a struggle at that time. Yeah, I think... And- just going back to what you were just saying, I think after your presentation here at our office, the next weekend there was uh, an agent. She had an open house, and I think you must have taught her this in the training, or she took this took away from it. But to always just stay by the front door, never go to the back of the house if someone's in there alone. And so, sure enough, a guy came into the house and said, like. And he went back in the rest of the house by himself, and she stayed right by the front door. And he said, hey, can you come, like, show me something in this master bedroom closet? And she's like, someone else walked. Luckily, she didn't go anywhere. near. She stayed by the front door, but she won't do them by herself anymore now. Statistically, um, an FBI statistic, in the house, the room where most rapes occur is the master or the main bedroom. 
And in my presentation, um, my class, I talk about not showing the home. Stand at the open front door and direct them in, give them some of the highlights, and tell them you'll be there at the front door to answer any of their questions when they're done, especially if it's one or two men, okay? It's not a couple. And as we've already learned here this morning, couples can be dangerous as well. So you, you can't let your guard down. Oh, well, you know, they're a husband and wife. They may not be. Um, you have to adopt certain safety procedures and adhere to them no matter what. Yes. For instance, there is a local agent I know her fairly well. We've talked on numerous occasions, been through two of my classes. And she has, because of things that have happened in the past, she's got a, a fast, hard policy that the front door will be locked. And she will view whoever's coming up and decide to let them in or not. I don't know the legalities of that. That's not my, my job. It's not my realm of, of expertise. That's for you all to figure out, Okay. Um, but you can easily, hey, I just got a phone call in an emergency. I have to leave. The open house is shut. It's down. Okay? And if that means you got to leave, actually leave to protect yourself, that's what you do. Um, you know, both legally and physically, that's what you do. She was showing, uh, hosting an open house. She had the door locked. Two men walked up the walkway to the front of the house. And as she explained to me, I just knew something wasn't right. And I'm like, don't, don't tell me you opened the door. I did. Why would you do that? You have your own set of rules here. You don't break. I know. I know. I just, you know, in that instant, I thought it was me and I opened the door. Well, her instincts were correct. And it got very scary and she had to get out of the house and she did. And they followed her out. Um, and they wanted her to show them the garage. I guess it was a, a man cave type garage or something special. And she's like, hey, the door's open. It's right there. Go yeah. ahead. Very intuitive of her, though. She said, oh, by the way, have you noticed our security system on this house? Camera there, camera there. We're being filmed right now. We're being watched. But that didn't even deter these two guys, which, you know, levels the height of, of anxiety. Um, fortunately for her, a neighbor inquisitive or whatever, had been watching, you know, from his house and got the sense something wasn't right and came over. And with that, these two guys left. So you have to establish these safety procedures and then you don't chuck them for any reason. Yeah. You know, you have to be hard fast with it. I'm doing this for my protection. And the minute we second guess ourselves, almost always is the minute that something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the last thing that you want. Yeah. We have a hard rule here, even from a business standpoint, before safety, but because of safety, especially, we don't, we tell everyone do not show any houses unless they're pre approved and you've vetted them out as a client. Because otherwise, you're just wasting your time from a business perspective as well. So if you have that pre approval letter, you've talked to the loan officer, which for our, our case, our loan officers are in house. So a lot of the right. times, we all know the person before anyone ever takes them to a house. But sometimes it's outside loan officer. But sometimes there are people that push and we're like, we're so sorry. We don't show houses of people who aren't pre -approved. No, you have to do that in this day and age because a lot of these people will lure the agent away from the office. 
um, where they can't defend themselves, where nobody else knows them. And I, I, I preach this, don't ever meet a client for the first time at the house. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. You know, well, I might lose out on a sale. And this is all about sales. I get it. I totally get it. But it's also about your safety. And um, I prefer that they come to the office. Somebody else in the office gets to meet them, can identify them, can describe them, ask for their driver's license, make a copy of it. Oh, that would be, oh, that would be too offensive. I couldn't do that. Really? When was the last time you bought a car? You're yeah. standing out in the parking lot looking at a new car, and the first thing the guy does, or the gal, they ask for your driver's license. And they take it inside to make sure, one, that it's valid, and two, they give the information to the finance manager because while you're looking at the car and taking it for a test drive, he's running you to see how much they're gonna be able to gouge you on interest rates and, and the price of the vehicle. Yeah. So, you know, don't do that to yourself. Yeah. Well, and it's sad because a lot of the people who are desperate for that sale, who are going to ignore that role, are the newer agents who are less experienced in every which way. And more excited to make a sale. Yeah. You know, sure. Well, they come in-house. They see who your, your top moneymakers are. You know, you probably got a tote board or something, and it shows who sold what, who's the top agent that month. Well, you know, I want to be a part of that. I want in there. But you have to do it safely. In this day and age, you have to do it safely. Yeah, and there's a huge lack of training in general, yep. just training for realtors. So there's probably plenty of people who show houses to people who aren't pre-approved, and it's a complete sure. waste of their time. Well, and that's one of the things that I found. Yeah. You know, the other thing was I, I went to your, uh, your NAR, your National Association of Realtors, mm -hmm. and, you know, put in their security and, and safety and all this kind of stuff. Boom, I found something. Great, you all got something here. And the gal who is there or at least was, I don't know if she still is, security expert, is a former real estate agent. If I recall correctly, she doesn't have a background in security or law enforcement or anything along those lines. So I looked at the, the 10 safety tips and six of them were okay, not bad. Four of them were pure garbage, you know, that I could destroy and pick apart for various reasons. And, and that was another thing in my, my preliminary investigation into what y'all do and how you do it. And I'm like, this stuff is wrong. This could get somebody hurt. No, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And here's why you don't want to do that. But her, the, the NAR, not coming from the background that I come from, um, they wouldn't have that knowledge set. And I don't know who they spoke to to put that together. You know, um, you can talk to a lot of people in law enforcement, even at the government level, who, if they haven't worked the street and worked street crime and, and that type of stuff, they don't have that experience. They don't have that background. Yeah. And the, I think it's safe to say the majority of people do not have that right. experience right. or that background. Okay. So COVID shut you down a little bit, but do you want to tell me about realtor safety and everything you offer, who you've presented to? Um, I've presented to so many. Um, I mean, the biggest one for me was car. Yeah, but which I, I think is so necessary. That should be happening. Yeah. And that, because it was presidents and president-elects for the coming year, um, got me lined up with a bunch of gigs for 2020. Yeah. And then we had to cancel them all. Oh, gosh. Well, you should do that again. I, I mean, think it's it just, so necessary. It just, you know, it totally killed it. Uh, I've done... Uh, the Women's Council all over the Bay Area, uh, CVAR out in the Valley. 
And I've done the presentation like I did here, just to specific offices. Uh, I've been in front of crowds of 150, and I've, <laughs> I've been in front of a crowd of three. Uh, that was a Friday afternoon in Pleasanton, and I forget the group name. It wasn't an office. It was a group, and I got the Friday afternoon slot at like 2 o'clock, and I just knew going in this wasn't going to be good. It's a Friday afternoon. These folks will have been in classes all morning. They will have gone out for lunch. I'm, you know, it's probably not going to be a big crowd. It wasn't. It was three. But, you know, it, it didn't change the presentation. It didn't change the information. It just made it more intimate. Yeah, maybe yeah. they got more out of it. Yeah, and, and it made it a little more fun because it was just the four of us, you know. Um, so I, I have never done anything uh, nationally. And, and that was the goal in order to get this message to more people. And with the, uh, the gig with um, Carr down in L.A., I, I felt like I'm right there. You know, I've now got this. I had done another thing for uh, notaries. Traveling notaries, yeah, mobile notaries. Yeah, gosh, to me, that would be even bigger of a yeah, danger. Yeah, because they're going into people's homes. Yes, um, at all hours. I did one for them in Sacramento, and then I did one for them in L.A. as well. So I was on the precipice of where I wanted to go with this thing in, in trying to reach a bigger audience. And then, like I said, COVID just killed it. Well, Michael Gordon's not here today, but him and his wife, Trisha, are on the board at CAR. They're very involved at NAR, too. So you should get connected. Again. Because <laughs> I think it's a big, I think it's so important that people learn this. Well, the unique thing that I found in doing it is is some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that I bring up, nobody's thought about. And the stuff that I identify as problems, you know, it's an awakening for a lot of folks. Let's go back to your professional photo and using it on open house signs or your for sale sign. And it's a hard question to ask. And I don't want to offend anybody. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask it. And so I do. What are we selling, folks? Are you selling houses or are you selling your image? Do you want somebody to buy from you based upon your appearance only? Is that what you're marketing and selling? Um, I mean, I go to, to the grocery store, to Safeway, and they're on my shopping cart. Yeah. You know, buy real estate from me. And there's the picture and everything. I'm like, Why do you do this? Because, see, the stalker, okay, the serial rapist um that's what attracts them the guy in you know, there was a guy in in pennsylvania um, that specifically targeted female real estate agents he had a list of over 200 women that he was obsessed with and one of the things that he said was i enjoy the hunt and i can't wait to get my prize Ugh. so yeah it's it's sick yeah. And he is mentally sick. Uh, he's in prison, probably going to be there for life. He came up for parole once already. It was denied. But this guy would research, and it's so easy to do. Um, I can put into any search engine realtors, and all kinds of stuff are going to come up. I click on the real estate uh, office, open it up. What do I find? Meet our agents. Meet our top producers. You click on that and you go to it and you're all there. And there's your photos. There's your experience. And because you're marketing and you have to market, 
Your open houses are listed. Okay? So y'all make yourselves easy targets. And some of it you can't control. You can't control that aspect. And maybe you don't want to put your photo up there on, on the website. Okay? You can do that. I just don't like it out on the street because then there's the rapist of opportunity. And just like when I was trying to learn your business, he's just driving around. He sees a sign with somebody's picture on it. And for whatever reason, he's attracted to that. And he goes and does what he does. Um, the serial rapist will plot it out and wait. Like he said, I enjoy the hunt. There's a whole process yeah. that they go through. They'll come to your open house and meet you for the first time and look around. They won't really give you any information, but they'll they'll yak it up with you. and. You're in sales. Hey, here's my card. You know, if I can help you, if you don't have an agent, you're doing what you do. That's your job. But there are risks involved with that. So you, you have to keep your say, yourself safe while doing that. Do that at an open front door. Always make sure the back slider is wide open. Gary, do you have any idea how hot it gets out here in the summer? Oh, my God. <laughs> the air conditioning I'd have to run. My client's PG&E bill. Guess what? You're not paying the PG&E bill. By the time yeah. they get it, the house is probably sold anyways. Yeah. You know, during the winter, run the heater. There is nothing that I'm aware of in any of these contracts that you all have that say you will keep their PG&E bill to a minimum, <laughs> right? right? Right. So you do so, what you have to do to protect you. It's your safety. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. You know, you had mentioned uh, earlier uh, the individual trying to lure the agent into a closet or something. One of the biggest tactics used is calling down or out to the agent to say there's a leak in the bathroom in the master bath. Oh, gosh. So, you know, we just talked about the PG&E bill and, oh, my God, I got to take care of my client and, you know, uh, want to protect them from this, that, and the other thing. Oh, my God, there's a leak. What's the first thing we do? Yeah, there's nothing to get a realtor moving faster right. than saying there's a leak. There you go. And most realtors who are experienced have enough exposure to leaks to do the repair themselves or at least know what who needs to be called. But they're going to want to take a look at it. Off. Yes, of course. So my answer to that is just yell back again and then walk, and then out, walk out of the house. Yeah, and okay. you can always okay. turn the water off from outside the house yes. too. That's yeah. true. There you go. Okay, yeah. but get out of the house and get on your cell phone call somebody okay get somebody on the phone because this individual is going to wait hey are you coming up here it's really bad and now they can't hear you responding because you're out on the driveway yeah yeah so eventually curiosity is going to get the better of them they're going to come downstairs they're going to go out front and they're going to realize the gig is up and hopefully they're going to leave they're not going to try to attack you out on the driveway in public like that yeah but that, but that is uh, an often used ploy and y'all are so ready to take care of the property in your client's best interest. Yes, I yes. get, I understand that. But guess what? The bad guy understands that, that also. And then going back to training on our side is that we don't put a house on the market unless it's fully inspected and you know every single thing and you know where that water shutoff valve is. Right. So that's a huge part of it too. You would know there is no leak on that inspection. Yeah. No, that should be a major red flag. Get out of the house. Yeah. Get to a place that's safe. Get on your phone. And so I know you talked about some pretty scary murders that have happened across the country, but what are some dangerous positions you've heard of realtors being in outside of that, maybe even locally or not locally? 
an assault is an assault, and it can happen anywhere. Um, FBI statistic, most assaults will occur within two arm lengths of the victim. Uh, it doesn't happen from across the parking lot. It doesn't happen from the curb out front. The guy doesn't get out of the car and yell at the house. Hey, I'm coming in to assault you. Get ready. Oh, shit. Um, oh, so I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We're allowed to cuss. There's been a lot worse things said on here. They're going to get a lot closer, okay, because they want to maneuver themselves close to you so that when they pounce, because they're hunting, when they pounce, they have a degree of success. And they don't want to telegraph that prior to when they're ready to pounce. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. A lot of the rapes that have occurred uh, go unmentioned. And uh, I'll never forget, I was in San Ramon speaking. And at the end of it, you know, folks will come up to say hello and want to talk and so forth. And a lot of times, um, the agents will want to tell me about a personal incident that happened to them. In this particular case, a female agent approached me and said, one of the female agents in our office was just raped two weeks ago while hosting an open house. Jeez, I've not heard about this on the news. I didn't read it in the, in the Times or anything, you know, and that's a problem. And then, you know, on the other side of that, somebody will say, but is it a problem? Do we want to put that out there that we're vulnerable? You know what? In my opinion, you're vulnerable regardless. Okay. Um, and so if you're vulnerable and you approach it that way, then the only other thing to do is to prepare yourself to reduce your vulnerability and increase your opportunity uh, for success in that situation. Uh, and that's being prepared. It's training and it's experience. One of the saddest ones, um, it was a near rape, which is fortunate, um, but she was really shook up. It happened down in Encino. This was 2019. It was just before I spoke at CAR. Um, and she, I don't know how, but she found me and called, asked if she could call me. Yeah, sure. We were on the phone for about an hour and she explained what had happened to her and the whole situation. And while she was not raped, she was physically assaulted and I'll get into that. Um, and it, it totally um, changed her being. Yeah, okay. Uh, she she was, she was forever affected by this incident. She was showing a townhouse, and and you know y'all can research this. Just put in realtor assault Encino, because it went nationwide. Why? Because there was a home security system that videotaped a lot of it, and so the news could run with this. This is a sensational story. And this guy came into her open house. Um, his language got real salty real quick. He started getting touchy and, you know, she's not having any of this. She's putting a stop to it. She gets out of the house onto the front porch. Good. That's a positive move. I totally endorse that. Second, she had her cell phone in her hand and you can see from the video, the security video that she's using the cell phone. Excellent. He comes out. Now he's standing on the front porch. Bad. We should have, she should have moved away from the front porch into a more open area 
since it was a townhouse, there's other townhouses, there's neighbors. And there was a common area right in front of this unit that she could have, you know, gone to. But she felt safe where she was. Three, major mistake. Because we are human beings and we don't, you know, unless we're some type of sociopath, we don't want to really hurt other people. And in this day and age, we certainly don't want to hurt their feelings. So he comes out, I'm sorry, it's a misunderstanding, blah, blah, blah. And he extends his hand and she shakes it. Oh, my gosh. Well, now he's got a hold of her. And the assault starts. And you can see him with both hands on her shoulders, pushing her back against the wall. They tumble off of the front porch and into some bushes. She's on her back and he's on top of her. She's kicking. She's screaming. She's punching. She's scratching. She's yelling. He rips a gold chain necklace off of her and he runs. In panic, he runs. So was she assaulted? Yes. Uh, both by definition and, and by viewing, you can see she's assaulted. This is an assault. Was she sexually harmed? No, this was not a rape. Um, and he didn't do anything of a sexual nature to classify it as such that I'm aware of. And he takes off on his bicycle, okay? Uh, which tells me, you know, a grown man on a bicycle usually means no driver's license, um, in a lot of cases, in law enforcement, okay, most grown adults on bicycles not wearing racing gear, okay, like the French Open or something, um, mm -hmm. they're bad guys. They've got criminal histories. And so he took off. What folks didn't know was that about two weeks before this, at the same townhouse, that same suspect came in and trapped her in the laundry room. Now, in a townhouse, laundry rooms are either bifold doors in the hallway or it's a room small in size with one way in, one way out. And he asked her to show him, you know, the laundry room. And she did. And he trapped her in there. He picked her up and brought her to his face and slithered her body down the front of his. In my opinion, that's a sexual assault because that touching, that action was done for a sexual gratification on his part. Uh, she, of course, freaked out, screamed and yelled. He freaked out. He left. She didn't report it. When he got captured, riding his bicycle in a neighborhood, wearing the same ball cap that we saw in the video from the townhouse assault, a couple of other women recognized him, and they had been assaulted by him, but they had failed to report it as well. So believe me, um, I know how difficult that is because I've witnessed it firsthand. I've dealt with the victims, but you have to make that report. You have to make that report for yourself, and you have to make that report for all the other women who are out there who are potential victims or could be victims of this guy. So uh, when I got to car, that was on everybody's lips. Everybody was talking about it. You know, did you hear? Did you see? Definitely. Yes, I did. I'm aware of it. Uh, and actually, I've had a conversation with the victim. Great gal. She's doing well. Um, I don't know. I think she's still in real estate. Uh, tough lady. Uh, very impressed with her.
Yeah. So in addition to making the report, I think it's very important that realtors take this kind of training. What services, I know that you do the group training like you did here. Are there any other services that you offer? What is the best way for people to go about getting this kind of training? And we were talking earlier, practicing this kind of training because you can get trained, you can attend one event that might not exactly prepare you for when the situation happens. Um, You know, in my presentation, uh, I cover a couple of topics, including situational awareness, improvised weapons, and quick exit self-defense. How to get out of um, the most common grips that somebody assaulting you is going to use to control you. Um, so that's all, it's all great because you see the demonstration, you see the manipulations. Um, I want you all to start thinking about inanimate objects as weapons. For instance, this coffee cup, this is a great weapon. This pen, is a great stabbing implement, okay? These are improvised weapons. None of these were designed to be offensive or defensive weapons, but in the right hands, with the right attitude and the right movement, you can use these items to defend yourself. You know, the one improvised weapon that everybody carries and never thinks of it as a weapon is your cell phone. So if you hold your cell phone in this fashion so that you have a protrusion at the bottom and the top, This is a very rigid item. It's not gonna crumble and break if you hit somebody in the skull or the nose or the throat with this, or fingertips and fingers and the backs of hands as they're coming at you or grabbing a hold of you. This is a great striking implement, okay? But you have to learn those movements because it takes muscle memory. In a critical incident, it's training and experience that's going to take over and get you through it. Our vision's out here in normal situations. But when you're under attack, your vision narrows to just here. So what is gonna get you through that? Uh, I think kickboxing classes are great. I think uh, self-defense classes are great. But as in our prior conversation, it's great that you, Mari, have taken self-defense. But if you're not practicing it every day, every week, after you leave the class or after you stop the class, you lose it. And you won't instinctually necessarily go to it Mm -hmm. in a critical incident. And and that's what will get you through these situations. So folks need to start thinking about physically empowering themselves and what they can do. You know, um, I talk about being in a house and improvised weapons like a picture frame. That's a great weapon. Yeah, that is a great weapon. Especially if it's rectangular or square. It's got sharp corners. A book. You know, you can break somebody's larynx with either one of those. You can break a nose with either one of those. And the nose is a great target because there are two involuntary things that are almost always going to happen associated with a blow to the nose. Do you know what they are? You ever been hit in the nose? No. (laughs) You get hit in the nose, the first thing, you can't control it. Your eyes will water. It blurs your vision. And it will hurt like hell. Okay. But the second thing is, most people, when they get hit in the nose, Bring their hands, yes, their hands automatically yeah. come up. That's perfect for your second strike because these fingers are right here. And if you hit it hard enough, maybe a finger is going to go into that guy's eye and he's going to impale himself, you know? And that's when you make your exit. I don't teach, let's box it out. No, we're, we're not going <laughs> to do fighting here. We're going to get free. You want to stop it and then get to freedom. So if there's a solo agent out there listening and she wants to 
experience the training that you offer, is her best move to go to her broker and ask her office to have the training done sure. for everybody? Do you do yeah, And you know, a broker should want to do this as a means of protecting their agents. Oh, definitely. Okay, because there are liabilities there. Yeah. And if if you're an agent and you get assaulted, and let's say you've been working for five years, and so you have a mean average of what your income is, and now because you're so scared because of the assault, which is real, mm-hmm. okay, that you can't do that work anymore. I'm too afraid. Now I can't work. In this litigious society, especially in California, yeah. wow, how am I going to earn an income? Well, if I take my mean average over the last five years of, of commissions times the next 20 years, I'm going to come up with an earning number that I'm no longer going to make. And I just may decide to sue the broker because the broker never prepared me for this. Oh, the broker handed out the bulletins from the NAR. That ain't going to cut it. In a, in a court, okay, in a lawsuit, that's not going to cut it. That, that jury's going to be sitting there going, how did that prepare her? You know, what did you actually do? What scenarios did you put her through? What physical training did she receive? So from the, the broker's standpoint, it's an awesome idea to protect yourself and your insurance company to bring a professional in such as myself or somebody else. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I, I suggest brokers do, you all have sales meetings every week. Can you devote five minutes of that meeting, 10 minutes of that meeting to safety? Well, yeah. wouldn't we run out of things to talk about? No, you won't. Just focus on one thing. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about not doing open houses alone. Get somebody else, maybe one of the newer agents in the office to go with you. Break them in. Show them the ropes. Teach them how we do open houses. Get a lender to go with you. I mean, you know, these are right off the bat real easy. Okay, but let's think outside of the box. What about the home warranty folks? Maybe they'd like an opportunity to get in front of potential clients, okay, with their home warranty presentation. What about your handyman? Because the home being bought may have some repairs that are needed. And the home being sold by the prospective buyer of the new home, they're getting their house ready to sell. They may need some handyman work around the house. You might need a a pest control agent. Might need a roofer. Your flooring guy. So... All of these people that y'all do work with, and I know, you know I'll, I'll use the frame Rolodex, but y'all got a Rolodex, oh, yeah. right, yeah. Of, of people that you work with and you refer and you use. Get one of them to come out with you on a Saturday or a Sunday so that you don't have to be there alone. You know, don't do an open house alone. Mm-hmm. Okay? There. We just did that in less than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you can put that down in the minutes of your meeting. It goes in the file. There, we did safety. Yes, I'm constantly doing safety with my agents. So from the broker standpoint, it, to me, it's just foolish that they wouldn't do this. Yeah, even just to sleep well at night. Even take well, out the liability part of it. Yeah, but yes, the, it's the huge. Commercial part of it. Yeah. yeah. As a human being, you should want to protect your people. Well, thank you so much for coming today. I hope You're that welcome. many realtors get to experience your training. Well, we're booking now through the whole spring. Good. Um, because I'm only going to be here until June next year. And then if you want me, you're going to have to fly me from South Carolina. But even agents out there will need it. You're in the middle. Well, (laughs) We'll see. Yeah.
you know. We'll we'll say I don't know how. Um, I mean, I, I own property there. We we have a, a house there, but uh, I haven't delved into that. And moving forward, I don't know that I will. You know, uh, I told my wife recently. She says, "Well, we get South Carolina. What are you going to do? Because you're you're kind of retiring from the PI business, and you know the real estate market out there might not you know be advantageous or what." Well, I know that North Carolina is huge. We're North Carolina? Licensed, we're licensed in North Carolina now. Cool. And there's a lot of people moving there. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Well, we're trying to keep South Carolina a secret. We don't want a whole... <laughs> I know. Well, there's still areas in North Carolina that are a secret, too. Yeah. So it's like you're going back into time, driving down the road, which yeah. I love yeah. being there. Well, you know, life is slower there. Yeah. Uh, it's very congenial. And uh, it's one of the things... We grew up in Maryland, uh, which is the the northernmost southern state. Most people think it's Virginia, but no, there's one more above it, and that's Maryland, and that's where the Mason-Dixon line is, which defines the north from the south uh, between Maryland and Pennsylvania. So my wife still has family in Maryland. Um, we have a daughter and two grandchildren uh, just outside of Atlanta. So it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's like going home. And the countryside where we're going to be is very familiar to Maryland. It's horse country. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I just, you know, leave that all this behind. Like a and just, lovely change of pace. Just, just become a, a country squire. Or Finally. <laughs> Finally. Smoking cigars and <laughs> sipping bourbon on the front porch. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to schedule you before then to come back. And we're growing. We have five new agents as of last That's awesome. week. So we need Congratulations. more people trained. So we'll have you before you leave. Love to come back. Thanks again for being here today. Thanks for having me, Mari.